Hello and welcome to another edition of the Old Gray Mayors. I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest. She was born in Hamilton, but her family moved to Waterloo in 1964. She graduated from WCI, or Waterloo Collegiate Institute, and studied nursing at Conestoga College. Her nursing career brought her to Toronto and Florida. She came back to Waterloo Region in 1990. She had a career change of sorts. She held positions in business, including sales manager for a freight forwarding company and customs and traffic manager for a large international trading company. She was a dispute resolution advisor and mediator with the Canada Revenue Agency. She is a community activist who is best known to me for her fight over the environmental calamity that was Ralgreen, and at great personal cost to herself. In 2006, without any prior elected office experience, she took on a mayor and former mayor and won election as the mayor for the city of Waterloo and re-election in 2010. She did not run for re-election in 2014, but she has maintained an extremely busy schedule since that time. She is Brenda Holleran, and I say with all love, respect, and affection, she's an old gray mayor. like that. <laughs> Brenda, I ain't wel- what I used to be. <laughs> no, welcome welcome to the club. Thank you. So, Brenda, you know, um, I've had a few people on now, and uh, one of the things that I found uh, very interesting is, you know, and as you know, as mayor, your your schedule is packed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's a 24-7 job. As you know. Yeah, 24-7. Well, I kind of cheated a bit. I probably didn't, I didn't go to near the number of events that uh, you would have gone to uh, being out in North Dumfries. But for for the other prior mayors that I've had on the show, their agenda has cleared up considerably, but they've not replaced it with much. Mm-hmm. Tell us some of the things that uh, you're involved with these days, because I know it's a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I, I've always been um, the type of person who likes to be busy and likes to do things. So that's part of my nature. And when I stepped down from being the mayor, I went to, uh, took a vacation to Mexico. So I put, you know, saw the big chain of office put on Dave Jaworski. The next day I flew out to Mexico and I sat on a beach and I was actually stunned that my life had changed so drastically because the emails suddenly stopped and the phone calls. Yes. And, and I thought, how do I reinvent myself now? What is next? Where's where's the next uh, stop in, in my journey, a step in my journey? So I uh, took a position working with Michael Weckerly and be, became the CEO of the Waterloo Innovation Network for about a year and a half. That was quite an interesting experience, and um, but I felt compelled to move on. I think and most people working with him would say it's an interesting it, experience. You know, that's the best way to put it. And there was, <laughs> you know, it was great. And there was a lot, a lot of fun to it, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. Sure. So I started, I decided it was time to just do my own thing. And I created my own little consulting business where I've been doing executive and leadership coaching. I, I work with people on their conflict management skills. Um, I do a lot of things through it, do some municipal work for, yeah. for consultants. But, but it's always been my goal to continue to work and give back to the community and to work with business. So I love that economic entrepreneurship 
Yeah, so to. you're uh, Innovate. Uh, I don't know the proper term. The company, your chair of startup. Star- yeah, startup. so I'm the chair of the board of Startup Canada, and it's yeah. a national organization helping entrepreneurs and startups across Canada. And it's really exciting because we're dealing with mom and organizations who are starting with $5 and a dream, and hopefully they'll become the next big thing. And I think it's great. You're filling a gap in, in, mm-hmm. in what is out there for services available to people like that. But some of the social agency groups you're active with. Yes. Tell us about some of that work that you're doing. Yes, so right now I'm on the board of directors of the Sexual Assault Support Centre of Waterloo Region. I do a lot of supportive work for the Waterloo uh, Crisis Services, uh, like the Anselma House, so the Women's Shelter. I work with that, that uh, group. I am on the board of directors of One Roof, which is the organization helping homeless youth. And we have a lot of homeless youth issues in this community that we're, we're struggling to ha- to get the community to address. Uh, I was on the board of Supportive Housing of Waterloo for about seven years. I recently stepped down. Um, I'm the president of the the, uh, Rotary Club of Waterloo, which I get great joy out of. So I kind of just... um, I sometimes have to remember other things, and I know that sounds horrible, but whenever I get a call and whenever anybody asks me, I I always say yes, because... When I went through really challenging, difficult times in my life, which which uh, we might address, people stepped up to help me. Right. And I always feel if people weren't there for me, what would have happened? And that I now am in a position that I can do something to and help that, And that's else. fantastic. They always say, if you want to know how to manage your time, ask a busy person. It's wonderful. All right. Yeah. Now, one last thing I just want to touch on before we move on. You're also a wedding <laughs> officiant. Yes. I can marry you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> we can renew. I, I, can I am renew married. Your vows. Just in I case know I remember, you we can renew our vows. We just had 30 years and it's going oh, strong. Congratulations. <laughs> you should you. do a vow renewal and we'd have a lot of fun with that. But yes, I became a wedding officiant. How'd and that happen? Just, you know, I um, was asked to last two summers ago, I was asked if I would be a wedding officiant for the Summer Fest. Uh, I festival. saw that. Yeah. It was, Summer yeah, Lights in, Festival. In June, right? It was a June Last time. June of 2018. Yes. So I said, yeah, okay. So I was kind of this package deal. You'd win a uh, night at the Walper and all this stuff if you wanted to just get married. Right. Well, the, the group, the couple who won were dear friends of mine, Jeff McIntyre and Lisa. And uh, yes. I was stunned when they won and they were stunned because Jeff had asked me years ago when I was mayor, can you marry us? And I said, no, I, you know, I'm, mayors can't marry you, but our clerk can. Right. So uh, when, they, when I was asked to do that, I and I did the wedding. I was so nervous, but it turned out beautifully well for Jeff and Lisa. Of oh, course. that's excellent. Uh, I thought I should do this. It's wonderful. And now you've got a busy schedule. And now I've, I've got weddings lining up for next year and uh, wedding vow renewals, and it's just wonderful. That's awesome. I, I think you should probably run a seminar for ex-mayors on what to do to stay busy after the lights go down. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's a personal choice about what you want to do, and yep. um, I, I'm you know involved with a lot of women's business groups locally too. I I'm going to be joining a few more. And I'm also starting up a women's business entrepreneurship group uh, for January. Uh, I'm working on that now, and I have women involved who want to start talking about women in uh, entrepreneurs, but at a really uh, deep business level. Uh, Look, as a father of three daughters myself, I think that's excellent. I thank you for all of that. Well, thank you. But let's let's talk about, as I said in the intro, I knew you or of you through Raul Green. Mm-hmm. Is it Raul Green Crescent? Raul Green Crescent. Raul Green Crescent. And that's the Sid McLennan Park, also known as Mount Trashmore to some people. That no, it's further area? out. No. You know, a lot of people thought it was Mount yeah. Trashmore. It's at West Mountain, Ottawa. It's So it's right behind. Okay. It's a street right behind West Mountain, Ottawa. Right. Just this lovely little crescent. But it's a large area that encompasses the... Um, 
Queensmount Arena and School. Yes. So at one time in the late in the sixties, like I think from the forties up to the sixties, it was a farm, and the farmers they was on the outskirts of Kitchener. Right. And it became just a landfill site, um, an unknown landfill site, and this farmer would allow anything dumped in it for years. Oh, okay. Horrific chemicals and yeah. things from the tanneries, like the worst contamination ever was so dumped. So was it in nineteen ninety that you well, around in the nineties you moved when you came back to the region that you had moved out there? Yes. So I had gone through a really difficult marital situation and, and split up, which I've openly spoken to right, yes. about things that have happened. And um, so I had to get back on my feet financially. And, and uh, I bought this lovely little townhouse in Kitchener. Yep. And I know it sounds crazy, but people from KW understand that when you live in Waterloo and move to Kitchener, you just feel weird. <laughs> I think it goes silly. both ways, but it's, I understand. I'm does, a Waterloo boy myself. Yeah, so, so it's from Kitchen Waterloo. I don't know what it is, but we just have this thing. And only <laughs> only us lo- old locals understand it. So when I moved there, I thought, well, it's not Waterloo, but I can't afford Waterloo. I, right, the affordability afford- It's affordability. Yes. And I was a single mom working three jobs, living the dream. Um, and so I bought this lovely little townhouse in about 1992 on yeah. Green. It was perfect. It was beautiful. And I redid it top to bottom pretty well by myself and my little girl was four at the time and then um, I found out it was built on a contaminated landfill site by a gentleman who lived about four places above me I was in a townhouse and he was in the first semi uh, next to us and his name was Brad Yasui and he his children were sick his the basement was flooded it it was contaminated water that oh. was full of chemicals. It burned your eyes. Wow. He had these these mushroomy things growing in his basement. His dog was being treated for pan- pancreatic cancer. His child was uh, born with a birth birth um, um, issue, and they were all sick. And mm. he, he was going to doctors. Well, he he was the one who found out. He did research that this History. was a an old landfill, active landfill site. Yeah. It had combustible methane in, just like hovering over our grass and yeah. all through our, our neighborhoods. It was a nightmare. And um, he told me about it, and I, I, I thought, this can't be true. This this just can't be true. Right. And um, and the, the way I really found out about it was I was working at, uh, I worked at Revenue Canada at the time. I was a collections officer. And I found out from my mother calling me frantically because she had read the newspaper and said, oh, my gosh, honey, you're, you're in big trouble. Your house is built on a landfill site. You're in big trouble. And I said, pardon? And I read the newspaper article, and then yep. I phoned the city of Kitchener, and there's quite a story to all of that yeah, since then. Just how did you find the response generally to your concerns? Not favorable. Um, we were told, I was told... Uh, that I should just sell my house and quietly move away. And that, that was the advice you were given. That was the advice I was given uh, by a person at City Hall. And I uh, I sat there numb. That's when I knew I was in really big trouble. And Because um, they said, if, if you just be quiet, we'll just settle this quietly yeah. and, and just move away. Obviously, you weren't quiet. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, anyway, tell us, just give us a little synopsis. I know, that. Rob. It would have been easier to just sell it, move away. But sure. uh, it, uh, you know, in, there are things about integrity and morals right. and values. There are times when we have to draw a line. Yes, there right? are, and I, I I struggled with that because, but it just enraged me that I was being treated as the bad person. That I, it was me personally who dumped the toxic chemicals there, and my neighbors were. We were treated very. In a, it was difficult. Yeah. Like we were the criminals and bad guys. And Is that uh, how the the uh, local government made you feel? Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that informs a lot of what we're going to talk about later. But yes. 
So how did you end up dealing with that? You formed a group? We uh, did, yeah. So we eventually uh, formed the Raw Green Homeowners Association and 42 families were involved. We launched a $65 million lawsuit against the city of Kitchener after about a year of just going back and forth and a lot of just... Uh, Mamby pamby stuff. It's, right? it's not, you know what? Lawsuits are not easy. And no, as, you, as, as you know, you, you had a, yeah, as I know. And, uh, but, you know, I can say it because I'm doing it with it every day. But yeah. when people like yourself start out, that seems to be the right way to go. You've got a group mm-hmm. of people, you all contribute to the fund. Yes. Uh, you hire a lawyer. Yes. And start to move on. But litigation takes a long time. It did. It's a war of attrition. It, yeah. And you're not the well financed part of this. No. Uh, this litigation. No. And, also, too, we won't talk about that, but you, you ran into a few matters when you took over as mayor uh, with litigation that had to be dealt <laughs> yes. with. But I guess yes. the one nice thing for you is you had that experience as a mediator, dispute resolution person. Mm-hmm. Which... Well, I wasn't that then. I was a collections officer. Right. So what was really interesting to me is that I didn't, I wasn't intimidated by government or people's titles yes. or anything, whereas my neighbors were. Yes. So that kind of propelled me to become more the, the spokesperson. spokesperson, the leader. And I had to present in front of Kitchener City Council. Yes. I was I was just again I was a mom I had three jobs this was I was just put into a situation not of my own doing my home was was under attack my daughter and I were under attack and when you are um, a a person the system can't beat you when it's your heart and your soul and your home and your child they don't and a system doesn't understand well the fight goes on but it's not always successful for people. It is not. Okay. And so it I wasn't appreciate for what you're me. saying. Yeah. The, the heart and the intention are good. Yes. But the fundamental realities make it difficult. They're and sometimes harsh. you have to then find, a, as you later learned as a mediator, yeah. uh, adjudicator, uh, you have to find a practical solution yes. forward. So in this case, and, and, and I used to see this when people, uh, like in North Dumfries Township, gravel pits were a big issue. Big and issue. for a long period of mm-hmm. time, People would say, well, we got to rally around this and get together and start to collect some money. But after a while, the money runs dry. Yes. And, uh, you know, you're fighting against well-financed corporations. Mm -hmm. The municipality is not necessarily going to jump into the area because they don't have the funds to. That's right. And and, and they're in between. It's a hard place to be. They're in between. Who's who's the at-fault party? Now, in your case, one might say the city because they didn't properly... Uh, because they're doing the zoning and planning and everything else. Yeah, that, and the building permits. Yeah, and which they're listed garbage. Yeah. Yes, yes. But there was another aspect to this. The Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation had written a study listing Raw Green as one of the most contaminated areas in southwestern Ontario. Right. So when we applied for our mortgages and they yes. were approved, they knew that. So yeah. they were also in, uh, a yeah. big implicated uh, party uh, just in this. How did the litigation end up? Well, it ended up really well for 24 families who got bought out. And the night that, that you know, we Finally, everything was settled. I sat there like a kid, you know, it's Christmas and Santa's yes. coming and my daughter's beside me and they stopped reading off the, the houses that were being bought out and I wasn't one of them. Oh. And I was, um, I was about um, 100 meters from ground zero and my house was, right. was in garbage and sinking. And uh, we had found, um, part of the deal was that as they were cleaning the site, because they agreed to tear down houses and clean all the, the contamination, as they found contamination, they were supposed to tear down houses and buy them out. Well, they found contamination right up to my my um, little fence. Yes. And there's all garbage sticking out. There's coal tar, and they covered the dig up and said everything's fine. 
Wow. But I had no more funds to fight it, and I was on my own. Yeah. So I I was then I took uh, so I didn't get bought out, and it was a nightmare. I had already had to abandon my house because my daughter was having uh, very severe health issues. Yes. And the person beside me had died of, of cancer, yeah. and a twelve year old across the street had died yeah. of cancer. So I left my home in a panic and moved back to my mom and dad's in Waterloo, and the house was empty, and I had to deal with the bank on an unpaid mortgage. What it ended up happening was the TD Bank who, um, again, uh, I was asked to sign a, a, a non-disclosure, but yeah, I, so I refused. Yeah, so don't disclose. Well, no, okay. I refused, oh, and I you. said, send me to jail. I'm never <laughs> going to, I will tell the truth. And they didn't know what to do with me. It's, it's quite a story. So I, um, I ended up having, they took my house under power of sale, and they sued me for my mortgage. So I, I countersued them. I sued the city of Kitchener, and I sued the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation by myself. Good for you. It was, yeah. Tough, though. (laughs) I know. It was horrible. I was this little flea against. And they all wanted to make an example of me, and I would just say to them, send me to jail. You're not getting my So it ended up that I became the mayor of Waterloo. No, no, no. How did the lawsuit I I was in litigation when I became the mayor. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I had had a lawyer. The the lawsuit, the lawyer who won our case, he felt very sorry for me, and he uh, did a lot of help for me for a very reduced price because I was really... Um, I was in big trouble and they were trying to the um, everybody's trying to garnish my wages but I worked for Revenue Canada and they refused to follow the garnishee they supported me which was wonderful there's a big story we were on fifth estate several times I've been in Chatelet magazine and you know all I wanted to do is raise my daughter and and just you know have a a happy little life I wasn't wanting this but it came it happened and it propelled me to what ended, you know, Brenda Holler and the, the mayor, the fighter, <laughs> not even the mayor, the fighter. Oh boy. But yeah. you know what? Um, first off, just stepping back, the initial resolution was not great for you, but at least it helped 24 oh, families, for sure. right? Yes. Which was significant. It truly was. And, yeah. and I was thrilled for them. Yeah. I mean, and they felt horrible. And, and, um, I said to them, just, you have to take this. It's your, it's your children. That was risk. part of a mediated compromise. It was. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of litigation ends up that way. Yes. And so people have to understand that. I mean, you start the process. Yep. Um, I mean, you can fight the battle in court if you want, but mm-hmm. there's huge risk there. Yes. The, the, it would have lasted for another couple of years easily. We'd still be in it probably. Honestly. Good chance, especially with commercial yes. type litigation, especially this sort of litigation. But you came up with a compromise that helped a lot of people. Yes, it did. And, and, I'm and when there was no help at all for them at the start absolute, of the process. Yes, and you know we were all just um, we weren't wealthy people. This was yeah. This was a a hard battle to fight with people who could not afford lawyers and luckily we had a, a law firm who we each put a thousand dollars in which was a hardship for everybody oh for sure and they they kind of kept that and then they waited till we won the case and then they were able and to they really get some costs yes. uh, from the other side yeah. which is great and and that's what i find what i found uh when people were disputing uh gravel pits or what have mm-hmm. you you need to be well financed you sure if you're do. going to get into this and because yeah. you've got to not only hire lawyers but you needed experts as well yes. to comment mm-hmm. and experts are not inexpensive no. uh, it can be very expensive and if you don't have that backing up your position it's tough for the local politician to determine to take one side over the other i agree because when you're when you're the politician now you're mm-hmm. almost like the judge yeah. and you have to weigh the competing interests and views mm-hmm. and you're going to have on one side, the medical evidence or the expert yes. evidence, and it's tough when you don't get it on the other side, and it's mm-hmm. hard to make these decisions just based on um, uh, uh, conjecture or emotion. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, 
no politician wants to be responsible for hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal costs against the yeah. township or the or the city. It's hard. It was a hard call for everybody. It yeah. was, you know, it wasn't personal. It was it, it just a terrible situation that had to be resolved. Yeah. But I think starting from that then, I would say, based on what I know about you, this experience, that Royal Green experience, really informed your view about government and helping out the people. Yes. And the voters or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What would you say if there was a basic <laughs> philosophy from that that you've developed? What would you describe it as? What would you say about it? Well, you know, I, I thought the government was in place to help people. We all do. We just assume your government is. Yeah. But when you come against the system and you realize the system isn't really wanting to provide that help, and there and it has a lot of, um, you know, there's systems in place to protect government against litigation or against people. But I was stunned at how we were treated on a personal level by by the systems, by the government, by the people in place, and how we were kind of vilified and. Uh, the condescension that was shown to us and the head padding that was put given to me, basically. Right. You know, who are you? you? You don't really know what you're talking about was the attitude. And it really impacted me because I believed government was supposed to be helpful and to And when you people. say government, you know, it's, it's, that's a big uh, umbrella. Yes. Uh, we're, we're talking yeah. politicians. We're talking staff. Can you, was it from both. both areas? It was from both. Yeah. Yeah. It was from both. And and some of the things, like we weren't allowed to bring lawyers into big group meetings, but the city would. And they would bring in all their specialists, but we couldn't bring anybody in. Like, there were some things that were done that were very questionable to me. And that's when I thought, how dare we be treated like this? We are just yeah. homeowners saying, oh, my gosh, our kids are sick. We've, we're in a terrible situation. Please help us. And we see that uh, even today when people comment about process yes. and government. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about uh, the biking community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to know a lot of people within the local biking community uh, when I ran for regional chair. And um, also during the uh, LRT debates that we had when you and I were mm-hmm. uh, on the horseshoe, although I call it the shoehorn sometimes, <laughs> with the, the yeah. horseshoe. Yeah. And you would see people like from... Tritag, who would come out to the meetings and offer their information about transit, which was impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the depth was. of the knowledge yes. and the research and, and the information they have. But there was always that general frustration about whether uh, traffic or roads or planning was hearing them. Yes. And, yeah, and, and I understand it, that. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so you experienced it then and, and they experience it now. I guess the, the view is keep pushing. Mm hmm. Right. Keep advocating. Yes. You never you can't give up. Yeah. You have to. And and the longer that you do it, the, the more experienced you become at what needs to be said and how yeah. to present it. My observation on that, too, is when you take a look at what's happening in terms of uh, uh, development of bike paths. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems mm-hmm. to be a real uh, I, I'm not going to say it's a, a big snowball avalanche effect, but you're starting to see more activity within our community. Yes. You're seeing the local politicians um, like the city of Kitchener, the region of Waterloo, taking a, more of a lead role mm-hmm. and actually implementing mm-hmm. more things. So, they are. So it's positive from that perspective. But it's, I think it's because that community keeps pushing on the if issue. If they didn't push it, you know, we know that staff would just go back to the way things yeah. always were. Oh, yeah. That's how we did it. That's what we do. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So you're in the middle of raw green. Yes. All right. And you're going through significant personal loss. Yes. 
I lost everything. I, I was wiped out. Yeah. So, hey, what a what better time than to run for mayor of Waterloo? <laughs> well, there's a little bit of a time gap between. So when the the um, how the uh, families were bought out, I think it was about maybe 2000, 2001. Okay. But that's so, I wasn't bought out and I just so enraged. Like, well, come on, now what do I do? So I launched, uh, well, because I was being uh, sued by the, the bank. So I thought, I, I'm just going to jump in and do this. And I used to go to the... Um, down to the courthouse and, and do my own research. I didn't even know what a motion really meant. I had no idea. And one time I missed a legal thing, and the judge, I was standing there with the, the, the lawyer from, uh, from where were they from, the TD Bank, and the judge just looked at me and she said, do you really understand what's going on here? And I said, no, I don't. And she was so kind. And uh, the lawyer, and she kind of admonished the lawyer, but and on the steps coming out, the lawyer felt bad. And he said, why don't you just give us your RSPs and we'll call it a day? And I said, I will never pay you. You can put me in jail. <laughs> and trying he, to compromise. It was a great compromise. <laughs> uh, but but I was in that situation. So in 2006, I was in a, a situation, like my daughter was... Um, uh, 17 and my, I was with with my husband and life was was stabilized and it was municipal election and I was having lunch with Catherine Fife and and Jeanette Lafreniere and we were talking about it and I said well maybe I should run for council because I really knew that I would do something Catherine said to me why don't you just run for mayor and I said yeah okay I'm just gonna run just for like mayor. That? just like that that's how we did it okay so Royal Green was going on but was there anything else you were involved with at the time uh, that piqued your interest well, I was always interested in the community, um, and, and I was always involved doing stuff in the community. But no, that was just kind of the next step is that, darn it, you know, this shouldn't happen to people. And I believe that City Hall, is it should be there for people. That's what right. we're the heart of the community. You come and you talk to us and we're going to help you. So, so I had to change it. Your raw green experience, though, was with City of Kitchener? Yes. And, and the region? Yes. Okay. But City of Waterloo wouldn't have been part of that? No. And I, that was, I was back home. I was living yeah. in Waterloo. Was there anything happening with respect to Waterloo at the time that nope. had you concerned? No, nothing. No. Well, I knew, you know, Rim Park and everything, but it had nothing. This sure. was This was totally a personal decision that it's time for me to go and change a system that I thought needed fixing. And you were up against Herb? Herb and, and Brian. Herb's a legend, right? He I mean, is a legend. Took, took on a legend. <laughs> and Brian was too, Brian Turnbull. Yes. Both lovely men. I didn't even, it was had nothing to do with them. It was all about, I just need to be mayor. It's time. And I need to change the system for people. I saw your budget at the time was like $11,000. Yeah, and that was a lot of money. But it, but the other guys were like <laughs> five to six times that, right? Oh, yeah. They were in the 60,000s. So obviously Waterloo was ready for a change. Yes, too, they were. I think a lot, uh, that was a big thing too. Yeah. And uh, I was talking about different things, about the environment, about youth, about kids, about homeless people, about social issues. Yes. And um, that wasn't part of the discussions the other two gentlemen were having. So I think I just came along and people were ready for a change. But the, the fun thing was um, Jeff Allen was the radio host at that time. So he had uh, the two gentlemen and myself in for an interview. Yes. And I actually, when we walked in, I actually was sitting behind a plant because that's where the chair was. And the other two gentlemen were sitting beside him and they were talking and then I was, you know, doing this. And then Jeff Allen said, well, you know, there is somebody else running for mayor and her name's Barbara Hall. And I said, oh, I, actually, my name's Brenda Halloran. Yeah, Barb. So anyways. Oh, Barbara Hall's the Toronto. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he called me Barbara Hall all the time, even at the big um, the big uh, community debate. So he introduced me as Barbara Hall. And I just looked oh. at him and I said, well, actually, <laughs> it was almost hysterical. But um, Louisa, He's a bit of a hysterical <clears throat> guy. Well, he was. He was, And he's a good moderator. So um, Louisa DeMatta wrote an article that night 
point said, you know, there is somebody else running for mayor of Waterloo, and she may not be that great, but she might be worth a try. So I I think that was a positive statement. Okay. And uh, Have a look. Have a look, and yeah, and uh, I I won uh, over 50% of the vote. So now you're mayor. Now I'm mayor. Okay. Like, what the heck? Um, what were some of the, to you, some of the, I, I saw some reference to some of the big issues. Uh, you talked oh about gosh, the yeah. rim, uh, I'm not going to say dissolution, but the. Debacle, the rim. Well, they situation. sort of. Situation. Uh, yeah. They, they had issues. The rim litigation that never seemed to go away. Are you talking about the rim park? The rim park. Yes. Okay. That's one. And then, and then, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rim was, I lived through Rim's rise and fall. That, yeah. But Rim Park was, when I became mayor in 2006, yes. we inherited so much litigation. The city was so laden with litigation. It was quite a, quite interesting. And fortunately, I had already been through a lot of that similar type of litigation. You had experience. I had experience and I was trying, you know, so we were really new council. Yeah. Uh, there were five new councillors, uh, five of us and three returning. So we were quite new at a lot of it. And I, um, I had the experience, the unfortunate experience of that type of litigation. You know what? Unfortunate for sure, but here you are now with that experience mm-hmm. and you and you understand the court process yes. and you understand, look, are we going to fight this thing forever and keep racking up costs or are we just going to come to some resolution on yeah, this thing? Yeah, so with, at that, you know, I came from being a media, uh, federal government mediator yep. and that, so that was very helpful and um, it took us, and we also had litigation against the CEO that had been hired and fired by the prior mayor. The CAO. CAO, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, And, um, we had that, and there were a few other ones. So it was, I remember getting our first stack of, um, of um, in-camera uh, legal documents, and, and I swear it was like a foot high. And that CAO wasn't the one that was the CAO at the time of the RIM financing issue. No. This was the one that got hired and I, in left like in after. In a day. Yeah, it, it, was, was quite, it was a very odd situation. It was very odd. There was yeah. a lot of interesting things. But, you know, we persevered, and we got the uh, RIM Park um litigation finalized after about three years i was able to get us into mediation yeah and um we were able to get some some reimbursement and that was one of the things when when i was mayor at north dumfries too having a legal background we mm-hmm. were able to avoid uh, getting the township involved in uh, some of the omb issues that were yes, going on yeah, because yeah. you sit down you say okay what are the issues here we're not going to have perfect resolution mm-hmm. let's find some and then i was also able to uh, where situations were private industry and the region and us as, as sort of piggy in the middle, yeah. we, we wouldn't even hire counsel. Yeah. I would say, look, we're just going to let them fight it out. We're not hiring counsel yeah. to deal with these issues. They were issues. lucky to have, yeah. Could save costs, right? Mm-hmm. So that was that was the thing. But let's um, let's uh, move up to, uh, and it's sort of around, I guess, the uh, because I want to touch on the issue of referendums mm-hmm. or plebiscites or whatever. We'll call it referendums. And I thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about with you because mm-hmm. you went through a couple of them and I didn't realize that the two were at the same time because we always yeah. forget about the fluoride and the amalgamation yeah. discussion yep. referendum. And this was in the 2010 election. It was election. the 2010 election. Yeah, 2010 election. And let's just talk about the fluoride one for, for a moment. Because um, fluoride, in Waterloo, fluoride was always this issue that was sort of on again, off again. Yes. And maybe it's on again mm-hmm. as well. Uh, who knows? But how did that come about uh, that a referendum happened in 2010 for fluoride, for example? Well, we had some people who were very passionate about fluoride. And when you have passionate people, they, again, come from that place of, of their heart and their soul and integrity and all that, and they won't back down. 
they and they they believe in their position and, and they won't budge. So there was a fairly large group of, of people, and there was a lot of strong leadership and a, a strong voices coming from there. Okay, when you say from there, this is the anti-fluoride or the pro-fluoride? Anti-fluoride. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they were a very organized voice. And uh, it's the lobbying, it's the voice and, and uh, getting the attention. So when that time came, we... Um, they just assumed we would just automatically stop fluoride. And we said, well, we, no, you have to ask everybody. It's not your decision. Mm-hmm. It's the decision of the people. So you weren't going to just leave it a decision of council. That's right. Okay. On that and the council was kind of divided. And people were a bit nervous because it, it's a medical issue. It's a medical decision. Right. And the Dental Association of Ontario are pro-fluoride. And they would come and talk to us. Yes. So, But, but they couldn't seem to get ahead of the anti-fluoride. Right. So as a councillor and mayor, you're sitting there, you're going, well, I've got the dental association coming in mm-hmm. saying fluoride's a good thing. Why would we get rid of it? Well, then we also would have dentists coming from other areas saying it's it's killing people and it's causing your teeth to rot out. Like we had such widespread information. It was quite an, it's interesting because if you do any research on fluoride, that's, I've never seen such a, a widespread of information. It's like vaccinations. Absolutely. Right. Yes, the, it the is. The views on that. Yeah. So... These people come to you, because obviously they've, they'd come other years or, or prior years. They've been years. brewing for years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how did you, and, and, well, let's just talk about referendums for a second. At the time, I don't know if the laws changed, I didn't look it up, but you had to have, what, 50% of your electorate had to actually vote, or more than 50% had to vote on this referendum in order for it to be a binding referendum? No, it's just the vote, whatever the outcome of whoever voted, it was that. So it okay. didn't have to be a specific number. All right. So we just put the referendum out there as a council. We felt that was the... the um, that was the most democratic way to make sure that all voices are heard. So when the vote came in, it was okay, like... Well, we'll get to the vote in a second. Okay. So I just want to get back to creating the referendum, mm-hmm. okay? Because someone comes to council and says, I want a referendum. I mean, they could come for all sorts of things. We're not going to have a referendum all the time. That's right, yeah. So was your council unanimous in holding a referendum yes, on this it was. issue? Mm-hmm. Because we were in a p- terrible position of, um, it wasn't our, we didn't feel it was our decision to make, especially based on the medical officer of health of the region of Waterloo was pro-fluoride saying, this is terrible. Our children need fluoride. Children in Kitchener who don't have fluoridated water are, are have higher rates of dental issues and cavities than kids from Waterloo. So you didn't even have to put it to a referendum. You could have just left it as is. We could have just ignored the, the voices, but right. it, it was... It was what what a lot moved of you? That's what I'm interested. What moved you to go ahead with the referendum? Because it was becoming very contentious, and it was becoming an election issue, and people um, were so pro and so against that. Uh, I felt, and the council did, that people have the right to make this decision for themselves. So it was just such a boiling point. You said we're going to have to make a decision yes. once and for all on yep. this issue. Yep. And it's interesting. Um, Okay, and we'll talk about the result in a sec because I want to compare it to the amalgamation question. Yes, yeah. So how did the amalgamation... And the amalgamation question was basically, do you want to have a discussion about amalgamation? Yes. Right? It wasn't saying we're going to amalgamate, amalgamate with anyone. Well, that was an interesting path to get to what what was the question going to be put out to people too right um there was a lot of um to and froing and people wanted to ask these questions and i said well why don't we just say do you want to amalgamate yes or no simple as that but i that question was not 
apparently the right question to ask. Right. So the question that was, common sense. it was, uh, it was pretty straight, <laughs> straightforward, like the fluoride, you want fluoride, you water, yes or no. Yeah. So uh, that question just seemed to be too, too straightforward. And then we got this, do you agree to allow your councils to maybe sit down and maybe talk about maybe, you know, should we right. maybe someday, you know, yeah. it was a little a, squishy. It was really squishy. Um, so that yeah. came about though. Actually, it's interesting because that probably came about because there was a group at the time, right? That was yes. promoting. Citizens for a better... Well, there were several groups, yeah. So when I became the mayor in 2006, there was the group Citizens for Better Government. Right. And they wanted to amalgamate, and they had very strong... Um, community uh, leaders, community, like very strong, impressive wonderful roster. people. Yeah. And um, they spoke with me, and i just become the mayor, and I said, well, you know, at this stage, I'm, I be, you know, I'm happy to be the mayor of Waterloo, but... Um, I was too young at the, uh, new at the job right. to really make any informed decision. But yep. as time went on, there this just kept, again, it was just, you know, it was steamrolling, kept coming. But I always uh, felt this is not up to a small group of, of maybe, you know, community citizens mm-hmm. to decide for the rest of all right. of us. No matter how impressive the resumes of all those people. Absolutely. Yes. And I respect and admire all of them. Yep. I know all of them yep. and I respect and admire them. But I strongly feel, and I, I that goes back to my royal green, is that this is not up to government in a small group of people to decide. This is the decision of the taxpaying citizens of this, well, of my city, of Waterloo. So that group, you said there were several groups, but that group in particular then obviously were an impetus for Kitchener and Waterloo to have this question on the... Uh, 2010 ballot. Yes, I think that um, everybody realized it was just becoming. Um, there's there's just too too much emotion in it. There was too much hostility and anger. People were kind of being uh, angry with each other for no reason. It wasn't a personal issue, and that's what I keep saying to people. This isn't personal. It's let the people decide, yes or no, and we go forward with it. Yeah. Whatever the outcome. People were afraid, I think, of what the outcome was. And I would boldly say, I will tell you now, the people of Waterloo will vote no for amalgamation. And I would be chastised, um, probably not kindly spoken about behind my back. But I stayed firm on that, that because that was my role as the mayor of my city. But you, you didn't campaign one way or another no. on that issue. No. That was your feeling. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to guess that you didn't predict the fluoride vote no. That you expected it to go the other way. I did. I know. <laughs> that was a shock. <laughs> and that's a voice of the people, right? Yeah. Shocking but, as it was. So it's interesting. I was taking a look. I, I pulled up the um, the numbers from those two votes. Yeah. And a and couple things were interesting. First of all, on the fluoride vote, it was approximately 30,720 people voted. And it was by a difference of 200 votes. Yeah. So it was 50.3% yes. in favor. Yeah. I think that's pretty to close. To remove fluoride. Yeah, to remove fluoride. Yeah. Sorry, to remove fluoride. Right. And that was almost similar to the vote that uh, Quebec had in uh, in the in the mid '90s about leaving <laughs> leaving or not. Yeah. It was that close. But what was interesting on the amalgamation, mm-hmm. the totals. Okay, so thirty thousand seven hundred twenty voted on fluoride. On amalgamation, twenty six thousand seven hundred approximately voted. So it was like. More people were passionate about fluoride than they were Isn't in Waterloo than they were about the amalgamation yep, yep. vote. And that one was, as you predicted, two-thirds said, we don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. And one-third did. And in Kitchener, it was the opposite. Absolute opposite. Two-thirds wanted to have that yep. conversation. Isn't that something? Yeah, so that was very yeah. interesting. And and um, just as a, a quick aside, when uh, when when I was elected in, in 2010... Uh, Herb App got together with, because we used to get together with the regional, uh, the township mayors would get together, and Herb App wanted to have us 
pass a resolution saying we would not uh, agree to amalgamation. I didn't know that. I know not many people do. And I, I said, and I'd known, mm. I'd known her for a long time yeah. through liberal party Love, politics. And he's a great man. Yes. Really and I said man. to her, I said, Herb, this thing's dead. Yeah. And, 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 and amongst the four of us, none of us was interested mm. in the concept. I said, it's not going anywhere. We're not going to, we're not going to pass of history. that resolution. But yeah, that was, mm. that was interesting. And God rest uh, Herb's soul. Yeah. Good man. So, Let's jump ahead to LRT. Mm-hmm. So you just had these two referendums. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's clear you have a passion for allowing people to have a voice. I do. And in 2010, you, you know, we were running in that election. Mm-hmm. And even in the township, the question about uh, LRT came up because mm-hmm. prior to that, there was an issue about funding. Yes. Right? The funding didn't come in that yes. we had expected. Yep. And so the question was, is it alive or dead? And I think a lot of people in 2010 had the view that it was dead. Well, they did. So what was really fascinating, I didn't know LRT was an issue when I started campaigning in 2010. The first five houses that me and my team went to was the same response. I'd say, how's everything in Waterloo? How are you doing? Oh, Waterloo's great. It's that damn LRT. It's got to stop. We heard this from, I would say, 95% of the over 30,000 houses we went yeah. to. Yeah. And this was not just Waterloo saying it. It was the region. Yeah. So it was a big issue. And you really can't say the 2010 election was a referendum on LRT at all because the view was we weren't going to go ahead. Yes. Or we didn't know what we were going to go ahead with. Absolutely. So people felt fairly, it was a a passionate issue of an anger at the door. Yeah. I I was really stunned and so were all the team. So I said, okay, well, if that's, if that's how you're feeling, then I will, I will, vote again, like I'll do whatever I can to stop it and I, I won't support it because people are afraid of the money and we don't need this. We're not big enough. Buses right. will be fine. Like, let's just get in the, you know, the articulated buses. And that's, the, I that was part of my campaign and I never budged from it. And I think from my preparing for our discussion today and, you know, I was at the horseshoe when you had the, the views mm-hmm. and I didn't really know your background back then yeah. but I can see your background and experience clearly informed where you were coming from yes. and you were staying true to your life experience Absolutely. right and to your core and to my campaign promise I yeah. never ever backed away yeah. from that so I remember and then, it wasn't easy no no well I remember the <laughs> the inauguration yes, night you do. Oh, and yeah. um uh Ken gave a speech his speech was about LRT mm-hmm. and how it had to happen mm-hmm. and how we had to use those funds now, I had a conflict myself, so I couldn't participate, unfortunately, yeah. in that. And I, I, I wish I could have, but um, I had a building that was right on the LRT line. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole interesting... I think another time I'm going to have, talk about uh, municipal conflict of interest and, and what the general response oh, to me gosh, was eh? about that yeah. oh, whole yeah. thing. It was very interesting. And then all of a sudden, there was a domino of people yes. who uh, suddenly declared conflicts on the issue. Mm-hmm. But so now it's um, it was around June of 2011. Yeah. Okay. And that's when... Just prior to that, the months prior to that, you had brought forward the concept. I think it was you who brought forward the concept of a referendum. I did. And, and it was because um, I was being interviewed by a local um, newspaper reporter, uh, Jeff Outhit, and he, we were talking about it, and he, and he was the one who said to me, you know, well, have you ever thought about asking for a referendum? And I thought about it, and I thought, I will. Maybe this is how we can get this through because community was really, people were still outraged and, and it's, there's still a lot of hostility out there. Yeah. And people had, you know, there are five people who campaigned will, will stop it and then change their vote. And people felt really angry about a lot of things. So I felt it was important to to have this put to people because it's such a 
big debt. And as, I mean, we're looking at now the rates coming out of the region and who's, all this has to be paid for. Well, again, your experience, your, your Warloo and the RIM debt, I mean, the RIM Park debt, right? Had, I mean, had a lot so, to do with it. Yeah. So you've got a lot, there's a lot of things here that are informing the foundation of Absolutely. your view about yeah. this. So you bring forward the motion. Yep. Right. Yep. And um, what, what happened? Well, it wasn't successful. In fact, I think I had trouble finding a seconder. And someone did second it, and it was flatly denied. And what was interesting was prior to that June vote by the region, there was actually a poll that came out by Ipsos Reid. Yes. About strong support yes. for a referendum. 83% wanted a referendum. Yeah. 83%. And we ignored those people. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was very interesting. It was. I, I understand how they felt. And I was, I just was so, um, not, I didn't feel defeated. I just felt really angry and really disappointed that the politicians in this community are afraid of the people's voices. And yeah. because we knew what, we, I mean, you knew if there was a referendum, it would have been no, stop this. Now there's some people who'll say a referendum is not the best way to deal with these sorts of issues. I got issues. that criticism. Yeah. yeah. And what, what do you say to that? I think that you're, you're basing that on your own fears of, of what the outcome's going to be. If you if you believe in democracy and you believe in people's right to, to have an informed voice and you invite them to come to all these discussions, you invite them to all these open houses, and you don't listen to them anyway, that that's how people feel now. The cynicism is large. But I think to people who refuse to listen to the voices of the citizens, you got to wonder why you're sitting in that chair. And that was your view when you were fighting Royal Green? Absolutely. Yeah. Brenda? Hard, hard view. <laughs> Brenda, you know what? What? You were the people's mayor. I did my best. And I'm going to end our talk on that point. And I just want to say I really enjoyed our conversation today. I did today. too, Rob. Thank you. And we'll have you back another time. Love to. Thanks. Thank you. So I just want to thank uh, the listeners for uh, tuning in for another episode of The Old Grey Mayors. And uh, if you have any thoughts or suggestions for uh, anyone in the community, mayor, ex-mayor or not, uh, who you think might uh, be someone of interest to uh, interview and uh, hear about on this podcast, uh, reach out to me and I'll be happy to see if we can arrange that. All the best. Take care.